Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Anybody else thankful for Jesus today? Am I at the right place? And you know what I'm grateful for is that through this community and through the work of God's Spirit, more people in our region are going to meet Jesus. Amen. And that's why God's positioned us for such a time as this with the capital campaign and phase one and the building being built because more people like you and I are going to meet Jesus And many are not just going to meet Jesus for the first time, but many people are going to meet Jesus in a personal, encountering way through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm thankful for a Jesus that's not just in heaven, but who's ever-present through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, we should never, never take it for granted that you and I could just wake up, get ready, and come And walk boldly because of the finished work of Jesus into the manifested, revealed presence of God. In the Old Testament, you got to understand only one person in the entire covenant. And only one time of year, the high priest could walk into the manifest presence of God. And he didn't walk boldly, I assure you. Because if everything wasn't done correctly, he would die. He would die. That would be a nervous moment if you were the high priest, wouldn't it? But you and I can have confidence today because Jesus was raised and he fulfilled the law and he made a way for you and I to have access to a perfect father. A father that knows right where where you're at. A father that loves you. And a father that today wants to speak to you through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to continue this series when people meet Jesus. And I'm just going to piggyback off my partner's message last week as he looked at the woman at the well. I didn't tell him, but I had already um, several months ago planned to preach as well from John 4. And so we're just going to tag team in John 4, which is fine because it is a text, it is a story that is so rich with application and so rich to things that you and I face in the days and the times we live in. But with that said, I want to read actually from Romans chapter 12 verse 2 up front this morning. Romans chapter 12 verse 2, remember all of the sermon cards are now available through digital means. So um, begin to become more familiar with that. I also want to welcome those that are streaming live. We pray that Jesus, Jesus would encounter you right in the season and the moment. That you are in. And so want to thank all the team that served for um, the, the event and the day of ministry that we had. Queen for a day. Thank you Meredith and Savannah and all those that were involved that came and served people. You know the saying is true. Save people. Serve people. Amen. And God's work in us is so that then it can flow through us. And so thankful for those who are instruments of God's grace 
and bless people in our community. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world. Cosmos. That which is taking place on the terra firma, on the ground of the earth that is existing due to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Do not be conformed to this world and its pattern, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to teach a message today titled, Patterns of the Wind. Patterns of the Wind. And before I do, I want to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, unashamedly, I acknowledge that Jesus, you alone are my righteousness. You are my right to stand in right standing with the Father. And you alone, and on the basis of your perfect work, do I have the right to expect, to invite, to acknowledge my need of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That Lord, through me, Holy Spirit, you would reveal Jesus. You would manifest Jesus to hearts, to minds, to people in their circumstance and in this moment. That you would make it experientially proven. Your good pleasure to give them the kingdom. And call them today towards maturity, perfection in you. In Jesus' name, amen. A 23-year-old man on a flight from Egypt to England was arrested many years ago. He was arrested because he resisted turning off his cell phone on the flight. He had been asked multiple times by the flight attendants to turn his phone off to ensure that it would not interfere with the plane's electronic components. But he would not do so. And so, after multiple requests, he was arrested. Anybody want to know what he was doing on his phone? Anybody? No one wants to know? Some want to know? He was playing Tetris. He was playing Tetris. Yes, the game, in fact, they got a picture, I believe, with colored blocks falling from the top of the screen that you rotate to make completed horizontal lines, and then once you make the completed horizontal line, the line disappears. Playing Tetris. Tetris. Harvard Medical School researchers once paid 27 people to play Tetris for multiple hours a day, three days in a row. At the conclusion, as they followed the paid participants around the following days and asked questions about their experience and observed them, they found out that for days after the study, some of the participants could not stop dreaming about shapes falling from the sky. That many of them could not stop seeing the shapes everywhere they went. Even in their normal daily schedule. 
They couldn't stop seeing the world as being made up of sequences of Tetris blocks. Gamers, we got any gamers in the house? You're not a gamer? Good, okay, you won't play today. I thought, I thought my son was a gamer, so he, he's got a day off from his gaming. Any other, any gamers? Well, gamers soon called this the Tetris effect. Gamers started calling this the Tetris effect. What happened is, is their brain became stuck in a cognitive pattern that caused them involuntarily to see Tetris shapes everywhere they looked. Notice their mind got set in a pattern that they involuntarily saw Tetris shapes everywhere. Playing so much Tetris in that time frame rewired their brains causing them to get stuck in a pattern of viewing the world around Tetris blocks. Today I'm here as your pastor to ask you, I wonder how many brains are stuck in a pattern of thinking that is affecting how you see the world. How many of our brains today are set or stuck in a pattern or a way of thinking that is affecting how we are viewing the world we live in, the experiences we are facing, the circumstances that we are going through, the people in our life. This brings us directly into what Paul exhorts the church in Rome and exhorts you and I today through Romans 12 and 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove. This is proving by experience. This is living out the reality. What is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Today, as you have heard multiple times, is Pentecost Sunday. Today on the church calendar, will we reflect with the reality of the new covenant and its blessing that the Holy Spirit has now come in His full role in ministry under the new covenant. And when you talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit coming in His full New Testament role in ministry, you find that throughout Scripture, oftentimes the ministry of the Holy Spirit is seen as the wind of God. And when you think about wind, there are patterns of the wind. Now when you think about the wind, you can't understand all the dynamics of the wind. There the wind, there are some mysterious aspects of the wind, but there are still clear patterns of the wind. I remember growing up in school in uh, middle school many years ago and El Nino was the big thing. The scientists were getting more comfortable and and seeing the pattern of El Nino and the wind. But listen, there are patterns of the wind, or patterns of the wind of the Holy Spirit. And a pattern of the wind of God, the wind of the Holy Spirit, is that it's a pattern of the wind of God to deal with the patterns of our thinking. 
It is a pattern of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's a pattern of the wind of God to deal with the patterns of our soul. Patterns of emotions that we feel. Patterns of ways we think. Patterns of desires and affections that we have. And behaviors that we perform. You remember on the day of Pentecost as recorded in Acts 2 and 2, it says that there was a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. The ministry, the full ministry of the Holy Spirit. We can see that it's a pattern of the wind of God to deal with our patterns of thinking, our patterns of perception, our patterns of viewing situations, our patterns of worldview and circumstances. We see it in John chapter 4 with Jesus encounters the woman at the well. Now never forget that Jesus was fully, He had the fullness of the Spirit. He was fully dependent and led By the Spirit of God. And as one who was full of the Holy Spirit and fully dependent on the leading of the Holy Spirit, he said, I must go through Samaria. This was the leading of the wind of God. This is a pattern of the wind of the ministry of God. In John 4 and verse 1 it says, Therefore when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. The first pattern of the wind of God, the first pattern of the Spirit of God that we see here is that in making more disciples, numerical growth, the Holy Spirit reminds us through leading Jesus to the woman at the well that He is aware and compassionate of every individual's growth journey, including even minorities. What does this mean? It means seeing the text that disciples were growing. God is not against this church growing. God is not against dwelling place growing. God is not against us having every seat filled and being packed out as we go into the new building. God is not against numerical growth. And if God is not against numerical growth, you and I can't accept any pattern of thinking that is resistant to God growing His kingdom through this community. Oftentimes people are concerned or resistant to numerical growth because they feel like they're going to be lost in the crowd. Can I tell you today, you can't be lost in the crowd of Jesus. You can't be lost in the household of faith. God knows your name. The Father's eyes are on you. He sees you. He's aware of your individual journey. He's aware if you feel like no one else understands, if no one else has your same journey, if you feel like you're the minority in a circumstance, in a situation. Listen, God knows your name and He's with you. You. A pattern of the wind of God is that Jesus cares about both numerical growth and individual growth. Here is a woman. She is a minority in the sense of, of the powers of culture. She was a woman. And women in that days didn't have the power, the authority, the liberty that being a man did. 
Not only that, she's a Samaritan. And being a Samaritan didn't provide her with some of the liberties that, that being a Jew would have in the context and, and the region that she lived in. But the pattern of the wind of God's Spirit produces community growth, church growth, watch this, through individual involvement. When you understand that Jesus was making more disciples than John the Baptist, Jesus was seeing community growth, and yet, by the Spirit, He's led to remind the community, led to remind the growing number of disciples that God still is aware of the individual's journey. That as numbers grow, you're not lost. You are seen. But church growth, community growth, comes through individual involvement. You know what that means? You have a part to play. You have a role to play. That as Jesus builds His church and He builds His church to this community called Dwelling Place, you have a role. You have a part. You are needed. You are valued. You're a member of the body of Christ. Some of you, you are needed to get more involved. Some of you, you are needed to take a next step. This is a pattern of the wind of God's Spirit. The story in John 4 continues in verse 8 saying, For His disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to Him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. The next pattern of the wind of God, the next pattern of the Spirit of God we see is that the pattern of the wind of God's Spirit challenges cultural patterns. Notice she asked the question, how is it that you, Jesus, being a Jew, what is this? Jesus, full of the Spirit, being led of the Spirit, leads to a moment that confronts the cultural pattern of that day. Lee confronts the cultural pattern that the woman at the well had. How is it? How is it that you being a Jew would ask me? Now I know that when it comes to the work of the wind of God and the Spirit of God, there is aspects that are mysterious. There are aspects that are beyond our natural understanding and and difficult for us to wrestle with, but we might not always be able to discern all the patterns of the wind of God's Spirit, but the wind of God's Spirit can always discern all of our patterns. And here is the wind of God's Spirit discerning in the woman this pattern. And it leads to a confrontation. See, the pattern of the wind... Of God's Spirit leaves salt. You ever been on an oceanfront property? And the wind's blowing, coming straight off the waves, straight towards you. Maybe you rented a condo or uh, you got a beach house. If so, why, why haven't you told us about it? <laughs> but the wind coming off the ocean leaves salt. It's the same with the pattern of God's wind. The pattern of the wind of God's Spirit leaves, leaves salt curiosity in those people that encounter the wind. And that's what you see here, that through Jesus, the wind of God is leaving curiosity on the woman 
a confrontational curiosity. Why are you being a Jew asking me, a Samaritan, for a drink? The thing I love about the pattern of the wind of God is that the pattern of the wind of the Holy Spirit does not conform to cultural norms that are contrary to the kingdom of God. I don't care if it was a cultural norm in my household growing up. If it's against the kingdom of God, the spirit and the wind of God doesn't conform to my expectations or to my norms. The spirit of God only conforms to the kingdom culture and the kingdom of God. And what the Spirit of God does is confronts us and leaves us with the curiosity. Now, wait a minute. I didn't think that these people were supposed to talk to me. I didn't think that I was supposed to hang out with these people. The Spirit of God confronts cultural trends that's contrary to the kingdom of God. Can I tell you that in the kingdom of God, there's a new creation race? That there's a race called the children of God. That it doesn't matter the color of your skin or how you grew up. We are apart under one Father, one Lord, one baptism, one faith, one Spirit of God. And the patterns of the wind of God is to constantly confront me of any cultural norms I find to be the norm that's against the kingdom of God. And it leaves me scratching my head asking questions just like the woman at the well did. You being a Jew would ask me. That's the blessing of this community. In fact, the churches that I know that are multicultural are churches that value and emphasize the pattern Of the wind of God. Pentecostal churches. Not by denomination. But that understand in the new covenant. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is so valuable. See listen to me. If there's one spirit. Then the Holy Spirit can unite us. Regardless of anything else. And so when you get a people. That are open to the wind of God. The wind from heaven then heaven that's greater than earthly things ties us together, holds us together, binds us together. The wind of God, the love of God, the wind of God and the truth of God. John 4 and 10, it continues, says, Jesus answered and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The third thing we see here is the pattern of the wind of God's Spirit often blows and provides the gift of God outside of our human patterns of expectation. Here, she has a certain pattern of expectation of of where the provision of God is to come from. And Jesus says, if you knew how God wanted to give you a gift, But this gift has fallen outside of her expectation. Sometimes I wonder how often God's trying to get what we've been praying about, desiring to us, but because it's outside of our expectation, we're not seeing the gift of God before us. This is what's called inattentional blindness. Inattentional blindness refers to our frequent inability to see 
what is often right in front of us if we're not focusing directly on it. Watch this. Here's Jesus right in front of her, the gift of God to her. And all she sees is a man. All she sees is a Jew. What she doesn't see is actually him. How many of us have patterns of thinking that's like this world that we just see stereotypes but don't actually see the person in front of us? And the person in front of you, when you're having a moment of conversation, is actually a gift of God to you. Because God needs me and you to understand, He's so big and so mighty, He can't just make you like all of Him. He can't just make me like all of Him. It takes the diversity of God to be revealed through multi-diversity to be revealed. God ain't just like my personality. He ain't just like your personality. He's so much bigger than you and I. And so every person, watch this, is a gift of God to you. But if you allow patterns of thinking come, you start labeling people and we miss how God's trying to use the person in front of us to be a gift to us. They can teach us something about Him. They can help us in a way that we don't see. And here is God's gift to this woman, but all she sees is a man. All she sees is a Jew. God, listen, even through the unbelievers around us, can use them as a gift to us. Because every human is born with natural talents. Their personality, their life experience allows them to more readily or accessibly or easily demonstrate qualities that reflect the image of God. Whether they're a person that has an organized personality. How do you understand that God organized the sun and the stars to work a certain way? The stars and the sun are not just spontaneously doing what they want every moment. So you see that through personalities and through things you see reflection of the image of God. But how often do we miss what God's trying to gift us with? He's trying to broaden our ability to receive more knowledge, more understanding of Him, more understanding of His ways. What about this one? Oftentimes we think that God's financial provision just got to be a certain way. But the scriptures challenge us this. says, the wealth of the wicked stored up for the righteous. See, oftentimes we're only looking for the supply of God's finances to come through His people. God says, I'm bigger than even my people. I can get my supply to you through the wicked of the world. What I'm trying to tell you is that God loves you and I, His children, but we can't allow our limited thinking to miss when He's put a gift right in front of us because we just see labels instead of seeing people. Some of you, I wonder when you look at and scan across the gathering on Sunday or in the lobby, I wonder if you only see John or see Larry or, or see Linda or, or, or see Tricia. You, you see them, but do you see that the patterns of the wind of God wants to let you see not just them, but they're a gift of God to you? That it's Christ in us, the hope of glory? What about work? Some of you, you're, you're thinking already. And the Holy Spirit's trying to get your mind to 
focus in on what's happening here, but you're already thinking about tomorrow and work. And you see work, but God sees calling. You, you just see work, but God sees His purpose through that work. What about some of you, you're thinking, oh, oh looking at the calendar, when's my next paycheck get here? You see paycheck, God sees resources for prodigals to come home. You see just a paycheck, God sees prodigals getting set free from the pig pen and coming back to His presence. You, you see just a paycheck, God sees the lost being saved. You see just a paycheck, God sees marriages restored, hurts healed. So the pattern of the wind of God's Spirit often blows and provides the gift of God outside of our human patterns of expectation. wonder if the wisdom you need God has in a person that you're just recognizing on the natural and you need to see Christ is in them. God's led them through some life experiences and He wants you to see that they're the gift of God to you in this moment. In John 4 and 11 it says, The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. When then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well? As his sons and his livestock, Jesus answered and said, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to for. The fourth pattern is the pattern of the wind of God's Spirit has different methods available. She says she's looking around and she's saying according to her pattern of thinking, Jesus, you got nothing to draw with. Can I tell you that faith can draw needed resources and provisions? She says, this well's deep. Can I tell you the hand of God's Spirit can go as deep as needed? That I don't know, some of you, you're, you're dealing with a deep well. Maybe that well is a negative well and it's been in your life since childhood. Maybe you've been dealing with a hurt. You've been dealing with an obstacle. You've been dealing with a pattern of thinking that's been deeply embedded into your worldview and your soul. Can I tell you, the hand of God's Spirit can go as deep as needed. He can save you and I to the uttermost. Hallelujah. She says, are you greater than our Father? Can I tell every one of us that God's greater? than every earthly father? Can I tell all of us that God is greater than all of our spiritual heroes? You know the people you look up to in the faith, but you've never met? And they're heroes to you? Because you never met them and realized they got flesh just like you. They're walking through valleys and got problems just like Do you know that even... Our Heavenly Father's greater than the spiritual heroes of faith. Did you know that our Heavenly Father is greater than our lineage? He's greater than our ancestry kit. He's greater than finding out lineage. Listen, He's greater than the lineage of humanity all the way back to Adam in the garden. We're talking about the Heavenly Father who's a perfect Father. And here she is, and the wind of God's Spirit is dealing with this thinking in her. She's saying, are you greater than the lineage I come from of Jacob? And he said, oh, I represent the perfect father. He's so much greater than Jacob. Hallelujah. 
we see also here that the pattern of the wind of God's Spirit is to, to connect everything in creation back to the substance in Christ. She's thinking well, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit's working to, to get her to connect well to Jesus is the well of salvation. She's thinking natural water, and the pattern of God's Spirit is trying to get her to connect water back to Jesus is the living water. She's thinking earthly father Jacob and the pattern of the wind of God's Spirit is trying to get her to think that Jesus is the image of the perfect heavenly father. She's thinking life and the pattern of the wind of God's Spirit is trying to get her to see Jesus is eternal life. She's experiencing a natural thirst, a God-given thirst. She's experiencing a natural God-given desire. And that natural thirst and natural God-given desire is to connect her back that it's only through Jesus those thirst and desires that come from God can be fulfilled. That thirst and desire that you have to feel significant, to feel loved, to feel heard, to feel valued, to feel a sense of purpose, all of those thirsts and those good desires that come from your Creator can only be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The pattern of the wind of God's Spirit is to try to connect all the things in your life, natural, back that the substance is Christ. He is your provider. He is your well. He is your living water. He is your eternal life. The text continues in John 4 and 16. It says, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. The sixth pattern of the wind of God's Spirit is that the pattern of the wind of God's Spirit confronts the patterns of sin, failure, and dysfunction in our life. Now, as Pastor Craig said last week, the text doesn't tell us about all of those previous relationships. But Jesus' response and the text seems to bring light that not all of this was her husband's dying. Because the thing is, now she's given up on God's idea of marriage because she's living with the man and they're not married. So the thing is, is that something has caused her to become st stuck in a negative pattern re regarding marriage where she's no longer willing or wanting to engage in marriage though she's living with a man. The point here for you and I is that the pattern of the wind of God's Spirit is to confront in you and I the patterns of sin, the patterns of failure, the patterns of dysfunction that's in our life. Why? Because patterns affect perception. And up until this point, the patterns in her life has affected her perception. She's just seeing man. She's just seeing Jew. And she's not yet seeing the reality of the gift of God in front of her. Even here, she only sees prophet. Prophet. Not just son of God. This is what's called selective perception. Selective perception is the reason... When we are looking for something, we see it everywhere. When you're looking for something, you see it everywhere. You're thinking about getting a new car. 
And so you're focused on that new car you have, and now all of a sudden you see everybody has it. So then some of you no longer want it. So then you move on to the next car. And believe it or not, as you start thinking about that car, you start finding out everybody has that car as well. If that keeps bothering you, maybe you're called to invent a car. Amen. We'll pray for you and see that come to pass. But selective perception continues the text in John 4 and verse 20. says, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. You Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The pattern of the wind of God's spirit matures our understanding of true worship. Notice you and I, none of us, even as followers of Jesus, born again, right standing with the Father, none of us starts off with a completely mature understanding of true worship. None of us. So the pattern of God's wind, the pattern of God's spirit is to continue to move you and I in maturing in our understanding of biblical worship. Of true worship. For you and I, it's moving us to understand that now worship is everywhere and at all times. That all that we do is to be a living sacrifice done to the Father who sees all. Who's with us always. And notice, it's spirit and truth. Maturing our understanding that true worship is not either or, it's always both and. And this is important. Because Jesus here, in dealing with her and growing and moving her towards mature understanding of worship, He speaks a hard truth. He says, salvation is of the Jews. God chose the Jewish people to be the lineage that the Savior of all of us would come through. Jesus, according to the flesh, was a Jew. So that's a hard truth for this Samaritan to realize. And yet, worship must not just be in spirit, it must also be in truth. But it's never either or, it's both and. Spirit and in truth. I find often we get nervous around Scripture. It's because we need to mature in our understanding that Worshiping God's not us holding on to our truth. It's coming in a posture as a disciple, a learner, saying, God, mature my understanding in what is your truth. That you and I as disciples and learners should have a spirit about us, a spirit of disciple that means, Lord, I'm constantly open to the wind of your spirit to mature me further in understanding what worshiping you looks like. I know I've not arrived. And if you've arrived, I'm more than willing to share leadership with you and the weight of ministry with you. The point is, you and I are disciples, we're learners. And the pattern of God's Spirit is constantly blowing to grow our understanding of worship, true worship. It says in John 4, 28, the woman then left her water pot 
went her way into the city and said to the men. The eighth thing that I want to highlight here is that the pattern of the wind of God's spirit causes us to leave behind our old patterns of living. Here she is and she leaves her water pot. The water pot represents the old patterns of drawing resources to meet the demands of life. The pattern of God's Spirit is to blow upon our life, your life, my life as followers of Jesus to deal with our old ways of meeting our needs. The question I want you and I to really, really honestly wrestle with and ask ourselves in this moment is what has the wind of God's Spirit enabled you to leave behind? See, I understand why understanding soteriology, the the study of God's salvation is so important. Because people who just think that we're soul and body, they say, well, God saved my soul. And they say that in a way that when they got born again, God did a one-time event, and now nothing else needs to happen. But biblically, your spirit, soul, and have a body, and the one-time event happened in your spirit when you were born again. But I know a lot of born-again followers of Jesus who need a lot, lot more of their soul saved. They need a lot more of the patterns of their thinking, their worldview, their habits, their behaviors, their customs saved. And what I'm trying to tell you is, is that God loves you and I so much and Jesus did so much for us. He wants to save you and I to the uttermost. And God's Spirit will keep blowing upon areas of our soul. It'll keep blowing on our water pots of where we've tried to fill areas of our life and thirst and hunger in life with things that won't give us the ultimate substance of Christ. And the wind of God keeps blowing. And the wind of God keeps blowing. And the wind of God keeps trying to make us curious. Why am I finding myself constantly looking to this old beat up raggedy water pot to fill me and to find happiness and fulfillment? When has the wind of God's Spirit enabled you to leave something behind? Can you right now name one? One habit of dysfunction the wind of God's enabled you to leave behind. One dysfunction, one wrong thinking, one negative emotion, one ungodly desire. When was the last time in the sanctification process you left something behind? What is the wind of God's Spirit wanting to deal with you in your life today? It's important to ask yourself those questions in His presence. It's important to know the answers of that. Why? Because how can God allow you to experience so great a salvation in an area if you're not aware that the wind of God is blowing upon that area? First, you've got to have an awareness. And that's why the psalmist prayed, said, God, in your light, may we see light. When's the last time you in the light of God have had some light of awareness come and the Holy Spirit saying, listen, I can save this area of your soul to the uttermost. Jesus died for this area. This pattern of thinking is conformed and and your dysfunction is like the world and you can leave behind that water pot. You don't have to try to meet the demands of life in that way anymore. That Jesus can allow you to experience practically 
freedom and liberty. He can make you free in an area. John 4 and verse 31 says, In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, If the keys would come, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. The pattern of the wind of God's Spirit continues to mature existing disciples as they serve. Notice that the the twelve have already been brought to a place in Jesus, His process of discipleship where they are with Him in ministry and they are alongside Him in ministry and He called them to Himself that they might be with Him. They have sent them out. He has sent them out to preach and to cast out demons and to lay hands on the sick and to demonstrate the signs that the kingdom of God is available. And yet, the wind of God's Spirit is still blowing into their life to mature them as they serve. But listen, we don't just mature as we sit. We also mature as we serve. And here he's maturing the existing disciples that they only know of outward food. And he's maturing them to realize, listen, no, there's another food. There there will come a point where you feel like something's missing. And you check your bank account, but it don't look like nothing's missing. And you, and you go through your house, and it don't look like nothing's missing. And all the natural things you know to look upon, it looks like nothing's missing. But there's still something nagging at you. And He's trying to teach you as a disciple that there is food called the purpose and the will of God for you. That His purpose sustains you. His purpose energizes you. His purpose supplies motivation for you and endurance. And that truly, listen to me, follower of Jesus, there's no full pleasure without the pleasure of His purpose. He's got kingdom purpose for you. You are needed, you are valued, and He's got a specific assignment for you in this season. And it might not be something that others applaud and it doesn't matter. That's why you don't measure and compare yourself to other people's specific kingdom purpose in this season. But listen, it's in that purpose you find energy. You find a nourishment to continue. If it wasn't for God's kingdom purpose, if it wasn't for those clear things in my life, I wouldn't be doing any of this. Because we're all too vulnerable. Without the vision of this season. God's got a purpose for this season. Even if it's a season of pain, even if it's a season of questions, there's kingdom purpose attached. And that kingdom purpose, that wrestling can energize you. It can sustain you. We also see here in this part of the text that the pattern of the wind of God's Spirit confronts existing disciples' speech 
and its effect on their sight. Jesus says, do you not say? Here are disciples, they've been with Jesus. They've been walking with Jesus. They've seen miracles. They've experienced the power of God. And yet, the wind of God's Spirit is still blowing to deal and to talk about the value of speech that what you say affects your perception and your vision. He says, do you not still say according to culture that there's still four months and then comes the harvest? He says, I lift up, lift up your eyes. Seeds have already been sown. Therefore, a harvest is already available for the reaping. I want to tell some of you that are here, seeds have already been sown by Jesus in this community. And if you'll lift up your eyes and you'll begin to get an expectation, God will use you. He'll use you to release hope in the people around you. He'll, re- He'll use you to release joy and purpose and awaken eternity in the hearts of people. Seeds have been sown all around us. And there's people ready to be harvested. You have a role. God can use you. You are valuable. You are needed. Lastly, the pattern of the wind of God's Spirit is to affirm. Come on, team. To affirm kingdom sowing and reaping. Notice Jesus speaks of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping is a kingdom principle, and Jesus affirms it. Can I tell you when it comes to this His Blueprint campaign, that God has a role for you in this His Blueprint campaign, that Jesus affirms such joyful, willful, sacrificial kingdom sowing and reaping. Listen, here's what I don't want for any of you. Listen, I don't want any of you as we're in that new building to walk through that new building feeling like you're just reaping what you didn't sow and get involved in. Because I know if you feel like that, you're missing out on joy the Father wants you to experience. Listen to me, God don't need your money and I don't need your money. I got all I need from God, Jehovah Jireh, and He's got all He needs to see that building done. But He is inviting you to what Jesus affirms here, kingdom sowing and reaping, because He knows there's some levels of joy and some levels of pleasure you can't get without sowing and then experiencing the harvest and the reaping of what that seed is you sown. And God wants you to participate. you got to row. And in sowing that seed, when you walk in that building, it's going to be a reaping of joy and celebration that other people who didn't sow and get involved can't have. They don't know the labor, the sacrifice, the joy, but for us who's here such a time as this, we'll know it. We'll know it. And then when we see people coming to the altar, we see graduates being honored. We see babies being dedicated. We see the the wing of the kids' ministry filled with joy and laughter and kids being discipled and raised up. We see rooms filled with people in growth phases. All the greater harvest of experience the people that have sown will experience. God's inviting us. He's inviting you. What I'm trying to say today is many have a theology that doesn't impact many aspects of their psychology. Many followers of Jesus have a theology about God and what He's doing now and what He has available now and what He desires to do for them that doesn't affect their psychology. The root of psychology is the same root Greek word for soul. Suke in the Greek. 
Meaning there's a lot of people that don't have a theology that does that impacts greatly their patterns of thinking, their mind, their will, and their emotions. And today on Pentecost, I just want to invite you to understand that there's a full gospel. There's a full buffet. There is a full provision. God's got full power to save us to the uttermost. That God has a theology available that can absolutely deal with the negative imprints and aspects that have tried to stay and be left in our psychology. That He's got joy unspeakable full of glory. He's got peace that surpasses all understanding. He's got desires that you can't go by that He'll give you by His grace. That He's got power and the ability to do what needs to be done. He has the power to loose you where you've been bound. He has the power to set you free where you've been stuck. That there is a pneumatology. There is a ministry of the Holy Spirit that is well capable to deal with all of our psychology that there's a perfect father that's able to deal with anything related to our earthly father that there's Jesus the high priest and a big brother that's able to deal with any issues related to our siblings oh there's the Holy Spirit that's able to deal with any of the mysteries of life that we haven't been able to answer the Holy Spirit is sufficient today and I just don't want you to be the person who knows Jesus but lives your whole life not allowing the wind of God to affect your patterns of thinking, patterns of perception, patterns of behavior, patterns of expectation, patterns of how you love, patterns of how you're unable to love, patterns of how you're unable to love your neighbor or your spouse or your children or your siblings. See, there are a lot of followers of Jesus that have life, but they don't have abundant life. And I believe we live in a day, and that's why God said in the last days I'll pour out my spirit, because to deal with everything that's going to go on in the world as it begins to unravel, that we don't need just life, we need an abundance of life. We don't just need salvation, we need a salvation that deals with our soul. That where you've been locked in like those Tetris participants. You've been stuck in seeing the world just like the people of the world. You've been stuck with the same language, stuck with the same expectation, stuck with the same behaviors. We're stuck with the same type of marriages, same type of parenting, same type of things that the new mentology, the full ministry of the Holy Spirit would blow upon our psychology and save us to the uttermost. That that well of joy and well of peace in the kingdom would begin to spring up. That we would learn to follow the wisdom of God to experience in the moment of sense that it is well with my soul but to do it you got to let the wind of God blow and to confront some patterns of thinking there's no abundant life without the Holy Spirit and though we might not know all the patterns of the wind of God, there are some we can certainly be clear about. He deals with the patterns of our soul that affect our maturity in Christ. The pattern of the wind of God is to deal with the old patterns still affecting our new life. I'll say it again. If you forget everything, don't forget this. The pattern of the wind of God is to deal with the old patterns still affecting our new life in Christ. Will you trust a new mentality? Will you trust the Holy Spirit of God that enables you to surrender 
your psychology to Him, your mind to Him, your patterns of thinking to Him, your patterns of perception to Him, your emotions to Him, your affections to Him, your will and desires, your dream for your life. Will you trust, oh, the precious gift of God, the Holy Spirit? Because listen to me. In Acts 2 and Acts 4, they were all filled with boldness. It didn't matter what their Enneagram was. It didn't matter what their personality profile was. That when they surrendered their psychology to the pneumatology, every one of them, despite their experience, despite their, their upbringing, despite their personality, they were all filled with a bonus. They were filled with the joy. They were filled with an empowerment. And God's got it for you and I today. He's got it right now. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.